0: This is the Tech Nibble Computer Business Podcast with Bryce Whitty, dedicated to helping you succeed in the computer business.
1: You'd be amazed at how your circle of friends and family who you can ask, Hey, do you know anyone that works at such and such a company? I'd love to get in there. Find out some person's name or just walk in and start doing it. Hand your card, go in, hand you a little bit of um, collateral you have. Here's our services. We're located right down the street. I'd love the opportunity to take care of your IT services. You'd be surprised how well that works.
0: Hello and welcome to the Technable Podcast. Uh, today with me I have Brian Mayo, who is well known on the Technical forums as Yeol Stonecat. Uh, he works for a company called Dynamic Alliance who are based out of Waterford in Connecticut uh, in the United States. Uh, they have physical offices with four suites and their primary focus is uh, small to medium businesses. In this podcast, we talk about how Brian gained his skills, uh, how the business gained not only their clients, their small and medium business clients, but also how they gained good clients. Also, we talk about how they got them onto fixed contracts with reoccurring revenue and what software they use to manage them. Hello, Brian. Uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Bryce. Happy to be here. Love your site. Great resource for the techs.
0: Oh, thank you very much. So, would you be able to take us back in time, sort of how, basically how you became a computer technician?
1: Yeah, back in time. Well, as some people gather from my handle online, i um, e cat. Um I've been around for quite a while doing uh, IT services for uh, close to 20 years professionally. What got me started into them? Going way back in time, I did get into computer programming back in high school. Remember the very large Apple IIs? Carry them in a briefcase almost. Black screens, white text, floppy drives, the true size floppies, uh, loading with cassette program. Opening up the computers and getting uh, under the hood there really got me hooked. Tweaking Windows upgrading graphics cards and it really, you know, we know with computers and online gaming and computer gaming in general, that's when things really start taking off in the later Windows 95 days. Uh, my background was engineering, mechanical engineering, and that frame of mind got me really into how the computers work under the hood there. I took my first job back with a, uh, I didn't have any formal computer training. As a, for a career, but a job came out for um, the person with the right attitude, building computers for a small software company that did um, point-of-sales software written in DOS, Clipper for DOS, and we had to uh, build turnkey networks for uh, higher-end gift shops all over the world. And um, I learned how to network uh, working with, uh, back then it was the Coax Networks, BNC, Artisoft, Lantastic was the network package that they used and learning how to network computers of all different types because customers would ship in their crummy computers or they'd purchase new ones. Whichever way it was, we had to build it and make it work and send it back out to them or set it up on site. And I got pretty good at working with the old DOS software, um, getting that running over
0: Windows networks. Was there any formal training with any of this or was it fairly uh, just learning on the job?
1: formal training at that particular place it was a small company under 12 people i learned the basics under one person but then my mind being the ever hungry mind i just wanted to learn more how could we make this better how could we make it simpler why are they still doing it this way windows 98 was evolving or just coming out or windows 95b and then coming into 98 windows peer-to-peer networking was starting to come into its own a little bit better before then it was fairly clunky it wasn't very efficient on the network, so I dove into that, and it's like, hey, guys, you don't have to be spending money on this Artisoft uh, networking product anymore. It really works well under Windows. NT 3 and 4 were coming out, and they were very stable paired to you know Windows 95. So um, I excelled at that job pretty well, and at the, the one-year anniversary, the boss calls me in. You know, we love what you're doing. We love what you did here. I'm going to give you a 20% pay raise. Like wow, nice one! But I had some bad news for him. <laughs> about two weeks prior to that, I ran into. A, I was with some buddies out at a pub, and we ran into someone that a buddy of mine knew. And he's asking. He heard that I work with DOS software, and he's like, "I'm, I'm working on this network for a big holiday in there, and they run this old DOS reservation program, and they run this particular networking software that that I heard you talking about. Um, can you give me a hand with this? I'm having a hard time." And, and I was like, sure. So we, we did a double overnight shift there. And he's like, oh, man, you really wrapped this up nicely. Um, I'll talk to my manager. We could use another engineer here. So he happened to be a, a manager at a Computerland store. And they were a big franchise, a national franchise back then. So I went for an interview there and got hired on the spot there, hence my going back to my former job I was just talking about when you – The boss there gave me a 20% pay raise and said, we love what you're doing. I had to give him my two weeks notice. Um, And to be honest with you, it's because my mind was always hungry. What I was doing at that point-of-sale software place was cookie cutter. You know, same thing, the same software, setting up the same desktop, the same cash drawers, blah, blah, blah. just turned cookie cutter. I became bored very, very quickly. And this other job seemed promising. They started doing big tasks, big projects, working on putting in networks for a whole School systems, wide area networks for us, you know, schools for towns and big construction companies. So I got lured into that, something different all the time. Projects for one place, work on it for a few weeks or a few months and go into another project, meet a whole different group of people doing a different thing. It's always so different and varied, and I loved that. It wasn't cookie cutter and the same thing anymore. So that kind of evolved it. I I worked under some really good senior engineers back then. Um, I mean, they threw me into the deep end of the pool. Not a lot of instruction except where needed, but just the basics where they knew I could figure it out on my own, configuring um, the servers, wide area network, exchange server. Um, It was a lot of fun there. And then what really kind of drove me in the direction that I followed getting to where I am now was Back then, small businesses didn't really have a big a computer network presence in their office. It was usually one or two computers because they had dial-up modems and getting to the Internet to check their email and basic stuff, or they might have a QuickBooks workstation. But there wasn't really small business networks yet. When it came to networks in the business back then in those days, it was still more for the medium to enterprise size. In my opinion, what changed that was two things. Um, number one, broadband started coming out. Uh, we had DSL and cable hit the streets. Back then that I met um, Philip, the owner of speedguide.net, and um, his tweaking software for Windows 95 to let it perform well on, on broadband with faster speeds, and I became one of the staff members of that site. And I started getting into the, the very first routers that came out the earliest Linksys BEFSR41s. I worked with some of the first couple of hundred off the assembly line with a very buggy firmware. But those really changed computers for small businesses. You could take that, build a network behind it of 5, 10, 20 more computers. They could share that broadband connection instead of having multiple modems everywhere or those shotgun modems where they Bond a few modems together like the old WebRamp products. That's the first thing that had a big impact on where I was going. And the second thing was Microsoft was really polishing small business server. In the early days, they had Microsoft back office, kind of the predecessor of the small business server. But then Small Business Server 2000 came out. And it was so much bang for the buck, so to speak. You got a really powerful server suite to run your business on. You could have a local exchange server and SharePoint and shared fax and remote access. And that combined with broadband, I just saw where that was going. You know, it's like, let's master small business server. Let's master routers and really figure out how to get business networks set up on it and make a a great deliverable product. So that, that's kind of the path that I followed so far. We, I really tried to learn that product well, make some great deliverable products out of that. Now, along with that, the management of our company, I guess you could forecast that, hey, we're, we're getting some good computer services and gear into small businesses, but this is the kind of thing that's going to need some support and let's get clients on contracts, you know, fixed amounts per month. The owner of that company back then seemed to have good foresight on recurring revenue. Let's take this accounting office and, you know, their tax software needs frequent updates. They have to update the tax software several times a year or once a month, something like that, take care of it. They go through a lot of printer issues, you know, so much printing volume, printer repairs. So let's figure out some formula to get them on what we called back then was just fixed monthly, monthly clients. How many computers do they have? How many servers do you have? Well, what do you think a good price would be a month per month to support them? And we started working on that formula back then, and that was before managed services or MSP became a buzzword. You know, we did it the old-fashioned way back then, the old um, dial-up VPN, you know, PPTP, VPN, remote in, remote desktop, or we used to use VNC a lot back then. Um, but that's how we started supporting business clients turning it into a nice recurring revenue, getting the good f- checks in from each client for several hundred dollars or so or bigger ones. Uh, back then we didn't have the thousand dollar a month stuff, but it was the start and we really kept on that, kept selling that service and finding that clients liked it. It's a fixed fee, especially nonprofit clients. They like that predictable cost for services. At that time, the uh, Computerland franchise that I worked for, the management there was was quite a bit into going out and partying. (laughs) Part of that was even chamber events. Um, They'd rub elbows with the chamber uh, after-hours events because it was drinking events for them. But it turned out to be pretty good because a lot of bigwigs in town would would go to the chamber events, and that's that was a good way to shake hands with people, um, get your name known. And he also buddied up really close with some big-gun accountants in the area. And I've noticed that with a lot of business clients, it's usually the finance director or, or the higher-ups in accounting that'll drive the computer purchases. Um, they select the software that the company runs on. They select the line of business apps. They select the accounting packages, the Sage, Mass90, QuickBooks, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the computer purchases and, and the services for IT are more under their guidance. So at that time, they, it was really those two avenues where they got a lot of uh, business clients. Uh, was through the networking, through chamber events, and getting to know the key people in the area. Um, And especially the key accountants or some big accountants that did the accounting, the higher-end accounting for larger companies. Getting to be buddy-buddy with them, let you do a lot of networks for Microsoft Great Plains installs or stuff like that. And it was nice back then doing the big server projects, installing a small business server. You'd get a good, great payday out of those. You know, the server itself, at least several grand or five grand, and at least that for consulting fees for installing it. Um, so it was nice. We tried to do like one big server install a month and 5000 or $7,500 just for the consulting fee, for setting it up, for migrating the data, for holding their hand on training them how to use it afterwards. That was good income, which we see less and less of those kind of projects these days because uh, everything's going cloud. That's a whole different story right there, which we could jump to later. But that was the success then was um, they did those social events, um, business after hours.
0: Old school social networking, I guess.
1: Right, right. wasn't a lot of local advertising. It was really just getting out and shaking the hands of people and, and getting to talk to them and propose your services, getting face-to-face.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for actually getting face-to-face. I guess you can tell a lot about a person when you actually do see them face to face, it's, you know, it's one thing to shoot a letter or an email and just say, Hey, um, you know, we want to do the services for you, but actually getting to know your boss, for example, and say, you know, he's a good guy and you can sort of read into that he read into him that he's, you know, honest guy. Then yeah, that means a lot more, I reckon.
1: Yeah. I, I still prefer that. Um, you see a lot of guerrilla marketing advertising techniques these days, you know, blasting on Facebook, shooting letters out, or some of the post office specials. I mean, a lot of those, you know, they just end up being thrown out nearly right away. But I, I still enjoy just walking in and just getting the chance to meet someone and say hi and talk to them. Once once you're 30 seconds into that, confidence level starts to go way up because I'm the type of guy that likes to talk to people or meet them and let them see who I am. And once you once you see someone and talk to them, you can feel more relaxed and I think your chances of success go way, way up. I still prefer the old-fashioned way or getting referrals, which can lead to some other networking stuff that I did in more recent years, like BNI Networks worked great for me. My colleague did it for several years longer than I did, Um, but we got some great, great business out of that, and it starts to help spread your business name around town with the people that count. If you're going after businesses, you want people to know your name other people in other businesses and they help spread your name and uh, you got to get it out there and through word of mouth, through referrals, uh, those are some of the best things I think.
0: Did you ever do any sort of alternative forms of marketing? Well, not alternative, more traditional say um, newspapers, that sort of stuff.
1: Yes, we have. You know, years ago we used to do the Yellow Page ad. And of course, when we get calls coming in from someone we don't recognize, we always ask, you know, how did you hear of us? Um, what made you call us? And basically, how did you hear of us? Everyone that comes in will, will ask that if, if we don't know where they came from. And to be honest, like Yellow Page's ads, I, I think I can count one, one client we got in, the, in like the past five years. And, and we stopped that altogether um, two years ago. We did a little bit of radio blasting every now and then, and I don't believe we ever got a client calling us because of that. I don't dismiss it entirely, though, because those radio blasts can still get your your business name out there and recognized. And I think it just takes a long, long time of doing little things like that over and over. And another one that comes to mind is uh, Little League ball fields. In town, they do a lot of asking businesses to advertise on their fences there. You know, you put up your four foot by six foot um, sign on their fence for 400 bucks for the season. You're helping out a community and you're getting your name out there. You know, many people drive up to that fence, park in their cars to watch their kids play Little League. It, It gets your name out there. We may not get a single client from that, but it's helping get it getting it out there, which I think ultimately leads to more um, clients calling us down the road.
0: You mentioned uh, earlier that uh, you guys do what you can to get these clients on uh, fixed contracts and recurring revenue. Can you tell us a little bit how you go about that?
1: Well, the the first thing is um, the security services is the big draw um, or the big push that I do managing the computers, keeping the updates going um, as far as Microsoft updates and I've been beating the drum for years over the web players being a big vulnerability as forgetting today's malware threats you know it's not so much viruses like we had years ago spreading with outlook um, it's mostly web-based threats now and pushing the uh, the management of the computers as far as maintaining the uh, the Microsoft updates and those third-party updates is a big one it's so easily done after you it, this sounds like you're an ambulance chasing lawyer or something but after after a potential client has a has a big loss from that you know let us get you on the services it'll it'll really help prevent this from happening again it, it cuts down your exposure so much because they'll they'll see uh how much loss they have from from getting hit you know it's not so much just the loss of a computer for half a day it's the repair bill for that a What else happened during that? What what about the employee that sat down at the computer? Uh, A lot of places, um, if the employee doesn't have access to their line of business software, that's a huge productivity hit for them. They can't. It's not like 15 years ago where they could have the employee go shuffle papers in the file cabinet and still get work done. If they can't stare at their screen for their insurance software, applied systems, or their their healthcare software like Suncoast or whatever, they can't get access to that. They're really knocked out for a while. And, and the threats of today's malware, um, Cryptolocker, all those variants out there, it, it can really hurt them. A lot of times it's nice when they, it's great when they adopt it early. You know, the all-you-can-eat plans, the managed services, they adopt it early and that's, that's a great win for you. But over time, you can also show them the costs over the past year. When you're doing basically break-fix calls, those costs. When you look over the year history or so, it's going to spike and dive and spike and dive. But you try to get an average in there. And, and a lot of times it'll come out fairly close to a wash where it's an easy sell saying, look, let's just make this fixed here. You have fixed monthly costs. You know what your bill's is going to be. You know what your cost is going to be for the whole year for managing your IT services. Let us take care of that for you. And and the backups also. I'm sure a lot of listeners here will know that if you leave the backups up to the end users, I don't know, greater than 50% of the time, it just doesn't happen. I can't think of how many times in the past um, something's happened. I've had to go restore from the old clunky tape backup. And, oh, boy, this tape's been in there for, I don't know, since last Thanksgiving. And guess what? It's not even readable here. Who's changed it? Who's run the cleaning tape? Uh, and guess what, guys? I can't restore this. It hasn't been functioning for months, and uh, I've seen some real bad moments there. Uh, someone even lost their QuickBooks for like 13 months. They had to roll back once, and uh, I still remember the tears on her face. She she crumbled to the floor right there. But I mean, telling them that you can manage that. You watch it every day. You get the reports every day. If something stops working on the backup, you address it. You take care of it, and it's always working for them. And, and you can share those backup logs with them. So if they care of, about checking that email that hits their inbox each day, they can say that it's working. And if it's not working, that we're going to be on top of it, and we take care of it. A motto that my colleague came up with, um, let us take the worry out of your IT. You know, Think about that for a minute. Let us take the worry out of your IT. That's we manage it for you. We keep it running smoothly. Managed services can really just help the client systems run smoothly and they get their full productivity out of their employees sitting in front of the computer from 9 to 5 every day. Managed plans also will allow those little guilt-free calls to us. You know, hey, I'm having a problem with this. A lot of times a client is going to be hesitant to call if they're just on a break, fix it. You know, they're going to call you and get scared of that $100 bill or so just for a 15-minute phone call or so, but going on a managed plan unless they make those little guilt-free quick phone calls for quick questions because we're there for them. You know, we're, we're going to make sure it's running fine and we're happy to answer their questions. They're in a, a top priority queue. They can call us and get instant support. So it's a nice, it guarantees them a nice speedy response also. There's a SLA there. Call queues, get to your problem right away or answer the phone right away or you have access to my cell phone. Those are all perks that they can get from that.
0: So were most of these uh, contracts that you got, was it mostly after the fact that you sold them or were there some ever before the fact, they had before they had a major failure, for example?
1: I'd say a, quite a bit of them were, were before. I can't say uh, 50%, you know, there's a big difference there. Perhaps nearly half or they've just been with us for a little while, and we've said, look, you know some months are little 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 bills and some months you have big bills. here's the average and uh, let's just you know agree on going with a fixed flat rate each month and we'll take care of it for you. Other types of clients like uh, accounting um, a lot of healthcare agencies they they need frequent software updates so they they kind of need that MSP um, proactive plan in place where and that's going to be what gets us up at five in the morning, so they could we could roll in those EMR updates that they need almost weekly or um, a couple of times a month for the some of the tax accounting software. If you want us to do that for you, we're going to push the MSP because I need a reason in my in my paycheck to get up at five in the morning to work on your servers. So that helps drive it that way. And we find it just very easy with nonprofits. They especially love to have those fixed monthly support fees there. So they're very easy to get on board with those plans. They have the board of directors vote on vote on that budget, and they propose that, and it keeps their accountants uh, very happy. They don't like um, surprises. They don't like big, varying bills. Nonprofits was a big success story for us. We have uh, quite a few clients that are nonprofits, and it works out very well for both sides.
0: What sort of technology are you using to sort of babysit all these customers? Like, what software are you using?
1: We just, we got tired of doing it the, uh, the old school by hand method about uh, six years ago when we started looking for some RMM products. You know, back then, like I mentioned, we used to do it the old-fashioned way, uh, VPN to their router once inside the network. We'd run VNC or remote desktop client and do everything by hands manually. It was pretty tedious, and uh, off we went on a search for RMM tools, and we took a look a lot of, at a lot of the big players there, say GFI, Enable. Uh, there were a couple of others there. At that time, we, we liked Enable the best. They were very pricey up front. Um, they still are considered. I mean, they're, they're like the Cadillac of RMM tools. They're a steep buy-in point, big price to jump in with them. But we were pretty lucky. We had quite a few managed clients already because we had been doing it the old-fashioned way for so long. It was an easy transition for us. You know, we, we coughed up, I think, almost $4,000 just to purchase it initially, to purchase the licensing and, and onboard with them. But we already had easily that coming in each month with, with our regular clients. So we, were, we could transition that monthly income right over to this already, and we benefit from it because it made it so much easier for us. We, it relaxed our time. It, it freed up a lot of time for us. You know, if we were to do that as a small startup or a one-man show right now, that's where I see uh, different RMM tools like GFI be a little more likable for, for the smaller startups or the one-man shows because, uh, it's, it's more of a true pay-as-you-go. You can onboard yourself with a couple of individual clients. There's no initial big buy-in. But the RMM tools do make it so much easier. The automation in them, the reporting, the alerting you get if a problem is happening, the ease of remote access in a centralized portal, your access to get to those tools from anywhere you're at with just a web browser. My laptop right here on my couch at home or my desktop upstairs or from out of the office or I I could be anywhere and just be able to within minutes get to a any client of mine so um, those tools definitely make it make it a lot better and and the additional services that come with those tools you can gain much more profit from it usually we used to do antivirus um, you know years ago we were big uh, ESET resellers before we we went on board with Enable but through the traditional resale models, um, you know, you're starting off at 15% margin, 20% margin. Once you get a lot of sales up, you can step up in your tiers and you get up to 30%. But then when you go with these RMM tools, you're, you're able to take their antivirus products and, and mark them up 300% and, and still be just at those uh, straight-up competitive rates there. So, so you're making quite a bit more on these tools also.
0: Did you have enough clients initially to sort of make Enable worth it, or was it? did you slightly grow up to the point where Enable was worth it?
1: We pretty much washed even, I want to say, when we first onboarded. I mean, cutting that check for, I think back then, just initially with 200 seats or so was, uh, I don't know, almost $4,000. And by the time we got the hardware in, because we host the server in our own server room. So it was a wash, but... What I was saying before is it freed up so much time of ours because those existing clients that we had, even though back then it wasn't a lot of MSP clients, doing them by hand the old-fashioned way was very, very time-consuming for us. Once we came on board with the RMM tool there, Enable, it uh, freed up a lot of time because we could automate that. So it allowed us to make that hurdle fairly painlessly uh, it was about a wash a wash off back then but that freed up so much more time so we could start going on our campaign and getting more and more clients and start building that up
0: yeah i think a lot of people would be would look at uh, such a large figure like $4000 as sort of okay i'm i've lost $4000 or i'm $4000 out of pocket I guess what you're saying is they need to understand that it's not that you've sort of lost $4,000. You've gained hours to get more clients and and sort of make it all exponential.
1: That's right. I mean, you don't have to hop from computer to computer remotely to manually go update their their Flash and their Java. And and you don't have to spend as much time managing the old clunky WSUS management (laughs) console to push out updates over their network. I mean, that thing you'd wrestle with Wrestling with WSUS all the time is, is pretty frustrating. And just, you know, visiting each workstation remotely. have a You know, say I have 15 business clients and each one of them is from 10 to 30 computers. I mean, just add all those up. You're to visit those individually. That's a lot of time. And I'm not saying physically visit them, but remotely visit them. Remote desktop to them or VNC to them. Run those Windows updates. Run the web player update. Give them little tune-ups here, check their antivirus. It's very time-consuming. You you, you go to these tools that do it, Um, the security patch manager for Enable. I mean, you just have to You have your global profiles that you apply to your clients, and and you just push that out. You know, one click here, and it's going out to 3,000 individual workstations. Do the math there. You're saving yourself a lot of time. But then what I was saying also with the other um, a la carte services that you could have in there, such as the antivirus, as your client's uh, third-party antivirus or whatever they were running, uh, as those site licenses run out, we started rolling them over into Enable's bundled antivirus. So we started making a lot more money that way because instead of just making 20% margin on it, you're making 300% margin on it. So look at the revenue that this starts bringing in for you when it comes to those other services, such as that. Antivirus being a big one. Patch Manager is also another one that we're rolling out. You charge for that. You're charging your clients for that, and it's a great revenue. And we looked at our reports for last year, and um, just the MSP clients, the income from that was fantastic. I'm just taking a quick look here. I mean, just over the MSP stuff, Alone was, you know, for our part, was about forty percent of our gross income for the year, um, which was very good. You know, we spent, we have a little over three thousand clients on our Enable system right now, and it cost us about twenty-six thousand last year because of all the licensing we have in it. It's gone up quite a bit since that initial four thousand, but but we've put a lot onto it, and if it brought us in over four hundred k or so, it's, it's a nice investment there.
0: Do you find you have any problems with retention, like holding on to those 3,000 customers?
1: No, um, and, and that's always a worry. Um, I, I have to say our retention rate's pretty good. My colleague and I, we both have developed good relationships with our clients and our top clients. Our top revenue clients still happen to be some of our oldest clients that we've had for over 10, 15 years. Retention rate's good. We do have some, some competition in our, our area, definitely. But, um, you know, last uh, two days ago, I, I got a great email that I'm, I'm taking an all-you-can-eat client from a competitor. I'm going there next week. <laughs> I'll happily take it.
0: <laughs> so they approached you. You didn't approach them?
1: Oddly enough, this one goes way back. Um, two of the managers there, I used to be huge into online gaming going back to the early part of the interview. and uh Going back into the Windows 95 days again, but um, or 98 days, I guess, when this happened, I built a public game server for, uh, for a clan that used to be big into a, a game called Unreal Tournament. And um, that was a big, big game back then, online first-person shooter. And uh, we used to have a lot of LAN parties, and our clan got very big with competitions, global competitions. The server that I built made it to number 16 in the world under Unreal tournaments, NG stats. Some of the guys that manage the clan they happen to work at this uh, production company, this Valve production company. And anyways, uh, I got a, a call from them last fall. Hey, we're working at this place, and uh, I'm up to a manager now, and we have a big network of uh, CAD CAD workstations and email servers. And our current IT guys, uh, you know, they're kind of blowing us off. They don't feel important to them. We're thinking of not renewing their contract next spring, so why don't you come by, make a visit, shake some hands with management here, and introduce yourself. I'll see what I can do to get you in. So needless to say, fast forward, springtime comes, and it's time for them to not sign their, not renew their contract with their current IT guy. So for that one there, I got lucky. It was from people I knew, I don't know, 25 years ago from the online gaming days. <laughs> gaming can pay off professionally. <laughs>
0: So I guess it comes back to um, old-school networking again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did there. It did. Another, this gets me to thinking, though, um, another good source of leads for us is to get cozy with website design people and not being local ones. I know a lot of IT places They cross over and do website design. Um, we don't. We've partnered with local website people, and it's turned out to work out very well for us. Um, we've gotten some great leads from them, and, and likewise, of course, we hand them leads. When our clients need websites, here you go. You start handing out their cards, and, and, uh, and you get referrals in return there.
0: So. so you're babysitting their web servers?
1: We can. Um you know, we have our wholesale account with Rackspace. Um, if our clients need website, we're happy to hang them there, provide that service for them. If they have their own website people, great. You know, we can hang it for them. Or some website people like to have, make their own bus fare on reselling web hosting services. And, and great, let them do that. I don't want to step in the way there. I mean, revenue from hosting a website really isn't that much. I'm not after the $10 a month profit or something. You know, we really try to, to stick to much larger things. Um, you know, Disaster recovery, um, backup services being another one that we're really going after the high end ones. I, I don't want to focus too much on $15 a month packages. I really want to see something that's over $150 a month, and that's with a 100% markup. Quite a few packages with a, the higher-end disaster recovery can, can be several hundred dollars a month, and it's it's a great product with um, fantastic ease of mind for the IT provider. But it's, it's a good moneymaker, and it's turned out to be one of our biggest, uh, yeah, it has been our biggest um, MSP service that makes money.
0: Do you usually go for, for the big fish, or do you ever take on slightly smaller stuff or is it always just go for the big fish
1: we try to the sweet spot for us is a company that's going to have between 10 to 100 employees translating it to 10 to 100 computers below that it's usually going to be a work group not a server involved perhaps two or three employees two or three computers four or five computers you know we'll take those but it doesn't end up being the big, big money makers. And on the other end of the spectrum, once you get to a company that is over 100 employees inside, chances are they're going to have their own internal IT staff, and that greatly reduces the need for us. No. That, that's our sweet spot there is from 10 to 100 And I'd have to say our top 10 clients are between 60 to 100. So those are great. I mean, I love a server room that I can build where you have a full-size cabinet and you have four, five, six, eight servers in there, another whole stack for switches. I love those great setups, wide area networks. Those are great. I love those type of big projects like that.
0: You mentioned the web developers before, and you got cozy with them. Um, How did you actually go about getting cozy with the web developers?
1: Let's see. Well, when we started out, we were renting a a small suite in a five-story building in downtown area, and there happened to be one down the hall from us. So that was number one. Uh, Number two was another one that was just starting up in the area, and... He happened to be a developer he happened to be the guy taking care of a website for a nonprofit uh, a non-profit client of mine and i met him because he wanted to uh he wanted to have a little hidden link in his website on for letting the staff remote in through small business servers remote web portal so we had met and just i don't know the idea clicked it's like he was asking me hey you know other clients that need their websites overhauled, please give them my card. And I'm like, likewise, you have some clients that need their servers or network worked on, here you go, my card. That was quite a while ago. And and, and that particular guy, he ended up, uh, geez, you've probably even heard of him, but he, he's gone national and he's gotten huge into the SEO model and everything. But uh, started it out as we, we fed each other a lot of business. So it was very, very good relationship, and I've pursued that with uh, several other website developers, and it's worked pretty well. So it's a great partnership. You, you know, since we don't want to touch websites, we don't want to design websites. Um, I like to stay on the inside of the firewall from the street in. <laughs> it just works out well. I think it's a, a great, it's a great strategic partnership. Another one that's worked out well for us is smaller, more specialized. ISPs, um, Internet Service Providers, that, you know, not your local cable company, not your local phone company, but the small one that's in the area that caters to businesses only, and they do really specialized setup, canopy point-to-point wireless and and kind of stuff like that. They handle the bandwidth on the outside. We refer them bandwidth clients and uh, web hosting and, and email clients like that, and they refer us to do the inside of the networks.
0: And that's another one that's worked out very well. How do you approach them uh, to sort of team up?
1: That one, you have to get lucky and know someone. I'm trying to think of the two places that... Well, one story goes back to gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone remember a game called Quake 2?
0: I think most people would. Um, I think if you were born in, in the 80s, everyone knows <laughs> that one from the 90s.
1: I got lucky and and met, met a... Met someone who ran, ended up being one of the owners of a small ISP that ran a server for that out of their data center there and uh, ended up meeting him and it took off well from there. And the other one was oh, going back to that computer land uh, company that I worked for years ago. There was a guy that did the wiring for them, all the wiring jobs for their commercial projects, Uh, you know, the, the data wiring. Um, and he got into handling the firewall parts, and then he got into reselling bandwidth from ISPs, and he developed quite a data center there. So he was kind of a self-taught, self-built you know built it from scratch, um, small ISP that stayed in the area for, for near 20 years. So that one's a tough one to go out and find. How do you find the small ISPs or the, the small business-oriented service providers that provide the bandwidth? That's a tough one to go out and, and find, but I, I'd say keep your ears open because if you're in this industry, every now and then you're going to come across a, a strange Internet connection that's not the local phone company or the local cable company. Um, you'll see those little names here and there, the small ISPs and just go after them, find out who's running it, make some calls, send some emails. Um, you can usually develop a little partnership with them that once you work with them, you, you get to shake hands, you meet them face-to-face. That's the hardest part there. Once you have met them face-to-face, that's when you can develop the relationship and build on it. It's it's easy
0: after that, I think. Because he really just seems to be um, being social. Um getting to know people and gain, gaining trust and then referrals off that and so on.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's, um, I, I still like the old school way of doing things that way, and meeting people, shaking their hands, talking to them. You can get so much more out of that meeting rather than some postcard that comes in the mail advertising someone's services that you end up glancing at it only to take better aim at throwing it in the recycle can.
0: The media talks about all sorts of buzzwords. You know, you should have a Twitter account. You should have a Facebook page. You should have this. But um, most people I'm seeing don't actually see a huge conversion with that sort of stuff. But uh, I know personally, with my own business, it wasn't even so much about my skills. It was actually the fact they liked me. That, and then they referred me from there on. It, it was social side. It wasn't any of them so much the marketing that I did.
1: Exactly. Every time we, you know, we're, we're talking with a, a new website developer for us and we're looking at doing a partnership with them. Again, there's the partnership thing. Um, they've been around for a while, had some big clients and we're ready for like phase two of their proposal for our website. It's our website. You don't want to look at it. It was designed so long ago. It's so stale, so dated looking. But we don't get business from the websites. We get business from word of mouth. We prefer that method. Nonetheless, we're having it overhauled. And, and they keep saying, what do you guys do for your social media? And in our prior person uh, we had for about six months, we were going to have her do some SEO boosting for us. She's like, get active on your blogging and get active on your Facebook. and." I was doing that for a while. I had the company Facebook site and trying to do posts. And you look at the results from it. It ends up being, you know, the people that like your page are your existing clients. And you make a post and they like it. Okay, how am I getting that out there to new clients? I don't (laughs) think we've gotten a single one from... Pimping our our Facebook page. Tough one. I still prefer to go back to the old-fashioned way of doing it. Talk, meet people, drive yourself into their office. I mean, when you're driving around town, look at a business. Pay attention. Look to your left and the right as you're driving around town and you see businesses gee, I'd like to have them as a client. That looks pretty cool. That's really that's a growing company. I wonder what they have for servers. I wonder what they're doing for backup. Well, stop wondering. Go in there and find out. Chances are you know someone that knows someone that works there, or know some. It's. You'd be amazed at how your circle of friends and family, who you can ask, hey, do you know anyone that works at such and such a company? I'd love to get in there, find out some person's name, or just walk in and start doing it. Hand your card, go in, hand you a little bit of um, collateral you have. Here's our services. We're located right down the street. I'd love the opportunity to take care of your IT services. You'd be surprised how well that works. Making that first step to do a, a personal appearance really, really helps. Sometimes, you know, we've done campaigns where I'll pick a particular road that has a lot of businesses on it, and we just go hammer it, go oh, meet people, go go door to door.
0: Yeah. Literally walk in and just I, say, hey, um, yeah, this is what we do yeah. and who we are. When we
1: moved our offices just six years ago, we, we moved out of the downtown area to the, the suites that we're in right now. That's what I did when we first got there. And, we picked up a few from that, just up and down the street. Walked in. Here's a commercial real estate company. Here's a small law firm. Here's a there was a cleaning company. They since wrapped up and closed. But walk on their door, walk in, shake someone's hand. You know, I know a lot of times you're just stuck with the so-called gatekeeper there, and you may not think it goes far, but. We picked up a client from that and what did it take for my time one day an hour and a half driving down the street stopping in a few parking lots and walking in a few doors it, it's worked and I, I love doing that just when you drive around town pay attention if you see a business start thinking about what they might have for it there if, if you find yourself saying gee i'd love to have them for a client go after it
0: how did you gain the confidence to sort of just walk in and say hey this is who i am and this is what we do
1: that's a big one there it's I don't know. Old age? <laughs> if I'd have thought of doing that like 25 years ago, I'd be in the shy side of things. But I don't know. Just life experiences or when, you, when you're trying to... I think when it shapes your own paycheck is, is when you make a bigger hurdle to go do it. Yeah, 25 years ago, I wouldn't have found myself doing that at all. Who's the salesperson? Came my have a sales rep and let them go do it. <laughs> but... I think just once you start caring about building up your own client list and you start setting your monthly and your yearly goals, your annual goals, um, you know, you're looking at doing another 15% this year and come September you're not quite there yet, that starts driving you to do it. Plus, I got to say probably just something else with getting towards old age. (laughs) It gets you to not worry about those little things. I mean, so what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say, no, thanks. We're all set. you walk out. Shouldn't be any embarrassment. You can't expect a high rate of return on that approach. But in my opinion, it's a much higher chance of success than sending out 5,000 snail
0: mail pamphlets. And you only need to get one as well. And that can, you know, if they stick with you for five years and they're paying, you know, X amount per month, you know, it was totally worth it, panning the pavement for five hours. Exactly. Or- Exactly, whatever it was. Exactly. How do you get past the gatekeepers? You mentioned you, you may run into some receptionists and how did you get past them or how did you try to sell to them or they just simply wouldn't let you pass or you organize something else?
1: You're not going to get past them, but asking who knows someone who works there. And I actually found BNI really handy for that. I don't know if you, I'm sure you heard of BNI. There are other business networking groups, but I mean, you have an audience of, depending on the size of your group, from 20 to 30 business people who are in your region. So you have their ears, and you have to think of their circle of friends and colleagues. Once a week, I would stand up as part of my uh, quick speech there. Once a week, I would name some company that I wanted to get. Such-and-such law firm, such-and-such insurance company, uh, such-and-such nursing home, such-and-such accounting firm, whatever. Yes, yes. Each week you go to those meetings with a name of a business that you'd like to get for a client and stand up and ask that. And chances are it was greater than 75% of the time when those referral sheets came in, someone in my B&I meeting knew someone who worked there. Or had a neighbor that worked there. I'd have some sort of
0: number to call. The social circles—it's amazing. Like you see with things like Facebook, that you know, someone your friend is actually really close yeah. friends with another friend who, and those two circles of you no, don't know each other at all. And it's amazing, especially in smaller areas, but even in big cities, it's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, just asking if
1: I'd, I'd love to get a warm lead for such and such company, and you'd be amazed at the response you'd get from that. And, and once you once you have that you know depending on the person that gave you the lead they could make that call for you to, to start warming up the intro or at least you'd have a name of someone to call or, or email and say hey su- such and such gave me your name um, do IT services I'd love the opportunity to talk about your IT needs and and it would work there's a good uh, chance of success I, I did it for quite a while I finally, uh, gave up the seat. I was the president of the chapter last year and had to focus on some home stuff for a while. So I, after doing BNI for, I think it was about eight years, and last September was, was my last day there. But um, it was great, and I may return to it in a couple of years. It's starting to slow down a bit, but <laughs> but it was a very good tool. Um, but it has to be, you have to have the right personality to to get something out of it. You have to be more outgoing and talking and joking and stuff it's the quiet people that just sit there like a bump on a desk in the back corner there they don't get their money's worth out of it i don't see how you can that way you have to be the talker
0: I Personally, I found um, going to places like, uh, if you go to meetup.com and they have meetups for various interests like, um, you know, it could be Android user group or Raspberry Pi user group or something like that. And for me, that helped me a lot to gain my confidence to actually speak. I, I'm personally quite introverted, but um, going to those sort of places where I knew what I was talking about got me talking and people would ask me questions and then that's almost like, you know, sort of consulting and asking how I go about things and so for the people that are actually getting stuck and sort of can't go out and go to a BNI and just start talking to people, try something like Meetup first um, and a little less pressure as well because it's not related to your business.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and after talking about B&I for a minute, I think that was a big confidence booster also for me. Because you'd be standing up in front of that crowd, a small crowd granted, but you'd be forced once a week to stand up in front of people and talk and blob about yourself and... Eight years of doing that, I think, changed a bit of my, myself, too, as far as confidence of just walking in. Definitely had a positive impact on me. Made a lot of good friends with it, a lot of good business contacts. and It was a great tool for us, I think, um, relating to what I was saying before, looking for strategic partners to work with. I've seen a lot of people on your forums talk about B&I didn't work for them. I think you have to do your homework with that. Um, visit chapters. Find a chapter that works for you. And as far as what I got out of it, B&Is will have, I called it like a golden triangle. There's there's certain positions in the B&I that are certain categories, rather, that always will bond well naturally together. For the computer guy, in my opinion, it was, like I said before, with the accountant and a a good website person. Um, If you find a chapter that has that, and I got a bit out of um, some higher-end law firms, too. Look for ones with uh, strong people in those categories. If, if you visit a BNI chapter and they, they have a tiny accountant that's not very strong um, or they don't have a website person, I think your chance of maximizing your value of that BNI group is going to go down. You, you want to look for a group that has strong players in those categories because they're going to be the key to your see so your success there.
0: These are amazing tips. There's a lot of actionable stuff for um, the listeners here. So to rehash, basically, you're saying be super social and to know people, basically get out there and pay on the pavement. Don't sort of wait it all to come to you. Go out there. People may find that while it may take five hours walking around, um, you only really need one good client that stays with you for years, and that's how you really start making some money. Also consider going to BNI. Um, It allows you a bit of a backdoor, sort of past the gatekeepers. So go there and ask who you want. And again, that gets you sort of past the gatekeepers. It gives you the in. You also mentioned find different chapters and especially look for the golden triangle accountants, lawyers, and web developers, as you mentioned, seem to be pretty good. And go out and find strategic partnerships, what works together well. And it sounds like being a gamer paid off
1: going back to your youth there you know your parents lecturing you for being up on the atari or nintendo system into the wee hours of the morning do your homework your games aren't going to make your living for you i don't know it kind of worked out okay for me it put me in the right direction started taking computers apart putting them back together upgrading them modifying them and opened up a whole uh, opportunity for me to carry me to where i am today going into my uh
0: last years of work you're a great storyteller as well and um Thank you so much for that. Like there's, there's just been so many tips. There's so much that people can sort of take action on. It's very practical stuff.
1: Yeah, glad to help. Um, you know, your, your boards are a lot of great resources. There are a lot of sharp people there participate on your forums and it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to contribute there. Um, it's a great resource for, for the young people trying to start out, find their way through this, uh, ever changing field. Certainly uh, one of the fastest changing fields out there. We want to thank you a lot for, for the website you built up.
0: Thank you. And, and thank you for your contribution. Just for the record, you've been a member since 2011 and you've got nearly 9,000 posts. I have been a member. I founded it in 2006 and I've only got 2,500. So you definitely contribute to Technical and um, the posts you do. Uh, some of your posts are like a little mini ebook, just about. You know, you know your stuff.
1: Well, thank you. I guess, uh, yeah, experience with age. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say just been through it from the get go. and. Kind of miss the old days at times. It was so much more relaxing back then. I, I got to say one thing that's changed in this field is, is the pressure. You know, a lot of clients being healthcare, care, insurance, financial. We have these ever increasing strict rules coming across our clients. Um, HIPAA is not a strange word to any, anyone anymore in this field. And do kind of miss the old days. You know, you had a bit of time to fix something or it wasn't a super crisis. These days, something breaks, and it's like you walk into your client and half the management's hovering over your shoulder, and if you don't have it fixed within 10 minutes, they're ready to strangle you. It's just so much has evolved when it comes to businesses with the uh, importance of the information. Any downtime is major now. It's uh, just the stress that puts on us. it's, It's really changed. So I'm kind of glad I'm on the tail end of my years in this career because I can't picture it in another 10 15 years what it'll be like information theft, theft of data the evolution of malware that is really going into s- stealing information um, personal health care uh, confidential information it's just it's really evolved into something else it's, it's- going to be quite a different, interesting game in the near future. People who are getting into this field now, no one was going to be ahead of them. Boy, they certainly have my respect. It's going to be something else.
0: Do you have anything to sort of say to the listeners who are about to sort of go through this process that are sort of starting, getting into the managed services?
1: Um, The biggest thing I like is the variety of it. The managed services... um, We read this on the web all the time. I think break-fix for residential um, is declining, profits from that, people are struggling trying to adjust, you know, getting into fixing smartphones and this and that. It's got to be tough. You have to rely on so much volume because your profit from that, your margin is quite small on those. And things have become very disposable. Um, When I got into, you know, computers we were spending three, four, even five thousand dollars on personal computers, and there was big profit in that. People picking up for a couple of hundred bucks and they're earning disposable where it comes to managing um, business clients, SMB networks, SMB clients. Um, it's all about recurring, steady monthly income now. We work on higher end computers. We really strive to push through business grade workstations, tier one grade stuff, you know, workstations that are still close to a thousand dollars, servers that are starting at four or five thousand dollars and go up from there. Um, So the profit's still there on the hardware, but profit's also starting to come in on just the recurring revenue managed backups. That's quite easy to do. Find some really good products and stick with it and just push, push, push those. Aim for the higher end ones when it comes to business. You're backing up your business clients, trying to compete with the low end stuff like CrashPlan or whatever for 200 bucks a year. Break that down to monthly. What are you making per month on that? its You can count that change in your pocket. There's products out there where you're pushing backups that are bringing in profit of several hundred dollars per month per client. Um, those are the ones you want to go after there, and the products support themselves, great services. They've evolved to the point where it's, it's you don't have to sweat when your client calls and they say their server's on fire and melting right down. You have faith in your backup product and take it from there. Um, restore it, do what you have to do, but go after the high-end products is, is what we've really tried to do. They perform well. They last the client for a long time. They're happy with it after a long time. That's what we try to go for, the higher-end clients that want the better equipment. When you're starting out, you want to take any client you can because you try to fill your plate. But as you start filling your plate, you'll notice that the cheaper clients are taking up more of your time, causing you more stress. They're not as profitable for you. So you have to start sweeping them off your plate and replacing them with the clients that want the best of the best. Uh, You want the clients that, I want the best workstations and running fast for my staff and replace them every five years. And I want the fastest server you can get in here. You can find them out there. Um, Take your time, start building your client base to have those type of clients and it makes it easier for
0: you. That's some rock solid advice there. Thank you so much for um, all the advice you've given us. We're hitting just over an hour now Your advice has been amazing. So thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, you're most welcome, Bryce. Uh, You're starting your day. And I'm just going to wind mine down here on the other side of the globe.
0: Talk to you later. All right. See you on the forums. Great. Thanks again for the opportunity to talk. Thank you for coming on.
1: All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: That was Brian Mayo, one of the forum members who share an absolute wealth of information. If you're not part of the forums, you are definitely missing out. So head over to the forums at technibble.com forward slash forums. See you on the inside. Discover how to build your computer business. Check out technibble.com That's T-E-C-H-N-I-B-B-L-E dot com